Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! He did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the Tuesday college basketball betting preview. I'm Stucky. And joining me as they will each and every Monday going forward, but Tuesday today, Mike Calabrese. And we have a new special guest that I'm excited to introduce in Greg Waddell. Greg, what's going on, brother? Welcome to the team. Uh, why don't you just give, uh, you know, we'll, we'll learn more about you over time. Why don't you just give people like 20 second background of yourself? Do you have a team? Where are you from? Et cetera. Yeah, fellas. Uh, great to be here. I am a longtime fan of both you guys and the show itself. Uh, I am a Michigan basketball fan. Uh, oddly enough, not a Michigan football fan. So I'm basically the only miserable Michigan person on the planet right now. Uh, I actually got excited when they showed Tom Crean on camera in Mason Blue. Like, that would be nice if I could have that. So I'm the only person on earth lusting over Tom Crean. But uh, yeah, I, I'm just a degenerate college basketball fan better all of it i can't wait to talk hoops with you guys this year uh well yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you're not a michigan football fan because calabrese is probably not too happy with uh michigan football after last night uh but yeah i'm curious we're, we're actually gonna what we do on this episode normally you know we'll do this on monday mornings and we'll talk about the monday card and we'll recap the weekend quickly. And also we'll just cover, we'll do a little quick buy, buy, sell on a specific conference each and every week. And just so happens that we'll be doing the big 10 this week. So I'll be curious to get your thoughts on what the hell has gone on with Michigan this year. But Mike, have you recovered from the uh, national title yet from your parlay? I did a lot of emotional work ahead of time, figuring out what it would feel like to lose that, you know, that huge ticket, have it flush down the toilet. So I played out all the scenarios in my head. And really the only one I didn't want was some kind of heartbreaking, like last second missed field goal or some kind of miscue that 
would be immortalized forever. They just didn't play very well, Washington, at the end of the day. Like, yeah, I mean, some some calls could have gone their way. Some, you know, bang-bang plays like that interception by Johnson to start the second half. But overall, they just didn't make the plays. So I wouldn't say I'm haunted by it. Um, I do, did appreciate it. I had, like, friends come in from all over. So we, like, took over half of the bar. Um, so that was fun. But, yeah, just – we're on to more futures. Like we're going to build the portfolio this year. You and me stuck. Hopefully we'll have some, you know, good teams in the sweet 16 elite eight to get excited about, but on to the next one. Well, I could tell you, we will not be adding Washington uh, to win the <laughs> national title. So you won't have to worry about the Huskies breaking your heart again, but let's uh, let's get into the weekend that was, and you can really go any direction with this. If you just want to, highlight one or two key takeaways or just some overarching theme, just really anything that you took from hoops Saturday through, I guess, from Monday today. But Greg, new blood, let me throw it to you first. What do you want to cover here? Yeah, I want to start with a guy you guys talked about on the midweek episode last week, Rick Patino, Ricky P is cooking right now at St. John's, okay? You talked about the the strategic switch defensively, how they're going to the, the matchup zone. It worked wonders against Villanova on the road. This is a team that has now won five of six, three and one in Big East play. The only loss was a good result for them, a four-point competitive game against UConn that they honestly could have won that game. Yeah. And I, I think it's a good reminder that Rick Patino can coach his ass off like he's just one of the best to ever do it. And you drop him in the middle of a big East where, yeah, there were questions about his roster. There was hype. Like, could he do it right away? I, I don't think there's a ton of well-coached teams in this conference, even though there's a lot of talented teams in this conference. And look, looking ahead, they got Providence at home this week. They just lost one of their two best players and they're on the road to a Creighton team that I think a lot of people have suspicions might be a little fraudulent. I'm very in on St. John's right now. And I think the sky is the limit in conference play for Rick Pitino's squad. Yeah. They're a team on the rise for sure. And yeah, as you mentioned, Pitino, one of the best coaches in the country now, there's, you know, you're, there's a lot of repetition when you are in conference, right? You, you see a team a second time and you're reviewing film, but that's even going to be so much more valuable come the NCAA tournament. So we'll get Patino and some of those minor adjustments, those in-game adjustments. Uh, St. John's is, is definitely a team that I'm all in on buying. I want no part of selling them right now. Mike, what'd you take away from the weekend? Let's say in the Big East for a second. I agree with the assessment on St. John's. The team I'm worried about is Marquette. I just find it strange that they claw back against Seton Hall, but Kolek only takes six shots for the entire game. And it's a game they should win. When Igadaro is 9 for 14, scores 22 points, and they force 22 turnovers, to not win a game like that, like, I get it, it's on the road, but, like, I, I wouldn't say I'm going full alarm bells on the Eagles, but there's just like something that's not quite right, at least in terms of their ceiling being, you know, the final four. So that was a little concerning to me. And we'll st stay in the confusion department. FAU are like, I'm not even going to try to figure it out. Like I'm not going to waste any energy there. And then the last one, I think you saw the recipe for beating Nico Medved and Colorado State. Utah State grabs 13 offensive boards. They go to the line 23 times, make 20 of them, and they foul Cartier out. That's my big concern about buying Colorado State long-term. When Cartier gets in foul trouble, can they get a rebound to save their life? I think the answer is no. So that, those are my three big takeaways from the weekend. Yeah, Colorado State major weaknesses defending the post. So that would be problematic if they, you know, in the NCAA tournament, if they go up 
against a dominant, you know, power uh, five conference team that has a, a great big. Yeah, you mentioned Marquette. I at Florida Atlantic, you're right. I mean, they're now they're being the hunted now. I mean, and, and they're not used to that role. I guess I don't know. That's very they're very Jekyll yeah. and Hyde. Some of the wins that they have and some of the losses, and then with Marquette, I yeah, I kind of agree with you. I. I know I mean, you have Kolek, who's one of the best point guards in the country. You, you know, Chuck is always going to have that defense ready in big spots, but maybe they miss, you know, coming into the season, I thought they're really going to miss Prosper more than some people might think. So maybe he's kind of what that missing piece that brought everything together. Because you're right, they haven't really impressed me overall compared to what they potentially could have been. Greg, do you have any thoughts on either one of those three teams? Yeah, they just feel one guy short, Marquette, and you nailed it with yeah. Prosper. Like, he, he was the next-level talent. Uh, no offense to Oso, who's a great college player. Tyler Kolick, one of the best guards in the country. Cam Jones, same thing. This is a team that I don't really see an NBA talent on, and, and you don't need NBA talent to win in college, but it certainly helps. And I think they kind of wanted to to replace Omax with – sort of the sum of the parts of the guys beneath him. Joplin has not stepped in and yeah. just uh, established himself as a starter level player. So it puts more pressure on Tyler Kolick, who, yes, he's a great player. I don't think he's wired like a guy who wants to go out and shoot 15 times to lead his team yeah. to victory. Um, and I, I think, uh, especially on the road in conference play, that's something that's going to bite you if your best player wants to facilitate more than go hunt his own shots. Yeah. And have you have you cracked the code on FAU? Do you have any uh, do you have any clue on how to figure them out on a game game basis? I, they're so frustrating because the the truth is somewhere in the middle, but they're just a team that plays to the extremes. Like they're either absolutely horrible or they're on fire and they're beating one of the best teams in the country. Like I don't really feel like we've even seen a middle ground with them this season. Uh, like over the course of the year, I think they're probably right inside the top 25. Like that's what I think they are caliber wise, but any given game they play like a non top hundred team or they play like a top five team in the sport. So I don't know. I, I kind of want to see it a little more like this team is in a new conference in the American, right? It, overall, they're having tougher games in and out. Uh, and look, Memphis is not on the schedule until late February. That's the one they're looking ahead to, but they haven't really done themselves favors resume wise now. So I, I speculate in the offseason, Dusty May, he's the hottest name on the coaching circles. He might regret not jumping jobs before this season. Like he couldn't really help his stock with anything he does at Florida Atlantic. And I yeah. think this team's going to start feeling the pressure. Yeah, no, I agree. And yeah, I mean, look, they they happen to super inconsistent. The variance of this team is is very high, but the talent and they have the experience to the run. So they can still put together another run. But it seems like now they're, you know, as the hunted instead of just like the underdog, um, they're kind of struggling to deal with that on a nightly basis but let's get to before we get to tonight we'll also give out one look or so for tomorrow night let's talk a little big 10 we'll cover as i mentioned previously one conference each week on the monday for this week tuesday episode before we uh dive in i don't know if greg michigan was going to be one of your teams but like in general, what, what I mean, what is going on? Like we're we're just nominating who's coaching depending on the game. Um, Michigan does, has looked messy to say the least. Are you buying or selling Michigan? Just what's going on with the program overall, and uh, what are your thoughts on the team this year? Are they, are they is there any buy point on on this Wolverines team? 
There's not. And they were going to be my sell when we set out to do buy, sell in Big Ten. And I, I know any econ major would tell you sell low. That's the worst thing you can do, right? Uh, I'm selling low on Michigan. I think you have to. Uh, I, I went to Ann Arbor to see them in person for the first time this year last week. And it, institutional chaos is what I would call it. Like the body <laughs> language is just so bad. Like they're distracted during timeouts. Nobody's paying attention. Like I feel bad for some of the players to an extent, but like th this looks like a team whose head coach has not even opted to head coach them for like seven games this season. Like you got to remember Juwan is coming off the heart surgery in the off season. And, and yeah. he was supposedly medically cleared to start the season, but he wasn't head coaching. He let Martelli do it for a month. So he's been in and out. That ignores all the roster concerns themselves. Like they, they're they missing talent. Like they, they have four good players. And once again, depth issues off the bench. Um, it, it was kind of fool's gold because they did look good at the beginning of the season, especially in that win against St. John's. But outside of that, it's just been trending and trending and trending downward. Um, they remind me a lot spot wise of Ohio state last year. If you remember Ohio state, they had Bryce Sensabaugh, who's an NBA player. They had some young guys that you really believed in, in the backcourt and Ken Palm, all the metrics and analytics stuff just loved them. Like they, they were a top 25 team as they kept losing game after game to the point where they lost 14 of 15 games outright, but they also didn't cover in 14 of 15 games. Michigan's now one and eight against the spread in their last nine games. And I think that's going to continue fellas. Like they were favored to win these two games this week. I don't know how much that's going to happen, but um, there's rumors. Doug McDaniel might be ruled out academically ineligible for the remainder of the year. We get a ruling on that today. So uh, if that happens, I'll be fading Michigan every chance I get for the foreseeable future. Wow. Yeah, that would be a huge blow. And yeah, the defense has been so bad. And, and you're right. It's just everything just looks messy, uh, to say the least. Let's stay on the the sell train. Uh, I'll throw out, I think Minnesota's probably at the peak of the market. I don't think anyone necessarily really believes in them. But just if you look, they had per Chemcon, per Chempom, they were – their non-conference schedule ranked 362nd in the country. I mean, they lost to what San Fran and Missouri and beat nobody. Now they started off three and zero in the Big Ten. We just talked. They beat Michigan by two. We just talked about what's going on with Michigan and it's a mess. And they beat Maryland, who's a mess two by three. But and if you watch that game, Reese got in foul trouble and they went on a big run in the second half. They easily could have lost that game too. I think Minnesota is at the very peak of its market value. Probably some opportunities to fade them in the in their next couple of games. Mike, what do you got for Big Ten? Who are you looking to sell? I'm actually going to sell Ohio State. I know we were just mentioning them. Um, I still think that Alabama win is really propping them up. And on any given night, Alabama will let you score, you know, 80, 90 points. So I'm not enamored with that win. And I think the further we get removed from that, you look at Ohio State, they're six and nine against the spread. They, they're they in a, a bad stretch against the number lately. A near loss to West Virginia on a neutral floor. They escape against Rutgers. That IU game, I think, sets off a very specific alarm for me, which is they're too dependent on Bruce Thornton. If he plays well and he scores, they can knock off ranked teams, as he did when he dropped 29 against Bama. But he shot 4 for 13 against West Virginia. They almost dropped that one. Shoots 4 for 17 against IU, 0 for 7 from 3, and they lose. 
I think that's it's simple as it gets. You know, essentially, if you can coax him into falling in love with the three and taking himself out of rhythm, then Ohio State's vulnerable to lose to just about anybody in this conference. So, you know, I was already coming into that Indiana game. I didn't get the number I wanted, so I kept my money on the sideline. But I wish I had played it because I, I do think Ohio State's a bit fraudulent at this point. Well, I'll be I'll be looking to buy actually Ohio State Wednesday, depending on the number against Wisconsin. I think it's a pretty good spot. Um, but I do think that their ceiling is fairly limited. And yeah, they need Thornton. Uh he they need him to create offense essentially on a consistent basis, as you said. And if he's has an off night, it gets a little bit problematic. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top notch thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Let's go to the positive side and who we're looking to buy in the Big Ten. Greg, I'll throw it to you first. I'm going to buy a team that, again, they look pretty good right now. I'm doing the opposite of what I'm supposed to do. But I, I think there's some strategic spot value on Illinois right now. Um, now, the, the headlines of the Terrence Shannon stuff a week ago shook up this roster, obviously. Um, there are rumors that it's more likely they might get him back later in this season than people thought. Those are rumors. I'm not going to speak to that. The point is, I think this team is much better without Terrence Shannon than I anticipated. And I don't really think the markets have reflected that much at all. Um, you, you just saw them completely destroy Northwestern by 30. Northwestern then bounces back and beats Michigan State handily. I, I, I think that's a pretty decent basketball team. Then they go to Mackey. They look like they're going to get blitzed against the best team in the country. And they just clawed their way back into that game. Brad Underwood found something with the five-out lineup that really puts Zach Eady in tough spots when he he was on the floor. Uh, they have a ton of shooting. They have a ton of experience. They're really unselfish as a team. Um, and right now you can get Illinois 13 to one to make the final four. I like that number a lot. I wouldn't go so far as to, to place a future on them to win a national title or anything. It is Brad Underwood scares me a little bit if we're being honest, but um, I, I think this is good value on a team that might get their superstar back. And the guys that had to play without him, are going to really benefit 
from kind of realizing that Marcus Damask and Quincy Garrier can be alphas for this team alongside Shannon if he returns before the NCAA tournament. Yeah, there's definitely, you know, in the futures market when you're looking for semi-long shots or long shots with that upside and uncertainty with potentially getting Shannon back, I agree they looked a lot better without him. I mean, he's so good in isolation and creating offense in the half court. And it's a team that doesn't really have a point guard right now. So, but they, they look like they're going to be able to make it work. So yeah, I, I don't hate that take at all. Mike, who are you looking to buy? Just to follow up real quick, you know, what's interesting is Damask having played such a high volume shooting role at Southern Illinois. The fact that he has to transition midseason to that, I think in a lot of cases, there would be that void in terms of who's going to be the alpha offensively. I think he's ready to do it. I was a little surprised he was a bit passive in the first half against Purdue, but then you saw what he did in the second half and, you know, helping them get back into it. I'm going to stick with Purdue here just from a conversation. I know this, like they can't go any higher. They're the number one team, but in terms of projections and the perception of them as a team that can actually win it this year, what I wanted to see was how would they respond against a top 10 team when Edie got in foul trouble? I wanted to see that exact script play out. And not only did they play well, but Trey Kaufman-Wren steps up with a career night, just adding to their overall depth. Now he scored double digits in four games since the beginning of December. And early in the season, I was also looking to Lawyer and Smith. Can they not only knock down shots, but do they have confidence? They can really shoot. And the, the last part of it is, you know, with just about half a season worth of data at this point, you can't really speed them up and get them out of their comfort zone. Like they'll just go and play in the eighties and nineties and win. So I do think at this point, it's fair to say that not that they have zero weaknesses, but there's just been so much that they've improved upon from last year and the mental component. Like, I just want to see what they would do with Edie on the bench. You know, the de facto national player of the year at this point, I learned a lot. I know they didn't cover the number, but still being able to win a game like that and handle Illinois' best game and the runs that they put on, I, I was impressed by the Boilermakers. Yeah, I mean, there's there's probably going to be some matchups potentially in the tournament when you're going up against elite guards that you might have to take Lawyer out for stretches, but their backcourts improved. Like you said, Kaufman Wren provides that secondary scoring in the post. For for. for I think clearly Purdue is the best team in the country and, you know, they will get into this another time, but with the, with the ball that they use, I think it was in their head last year, they were mm-hmm. the tournament ball and they were, they shot the ball that they use at home really well, whatever. We'll get into that later. But I think that they're the best team in the country, when, especially when you have their improved guard play and then you have the cheat code in Edie in the middle. And you bring up a good point because that was one of the things you always worry about. Okay. What happens if, Edie, who's impossible to officiate, right? He's getting fouled all the time. And then refs are like, well, we don't want to call 20 fouls on one team. So then they try to even it out. And the game, Purdue games can get a little messy. What What is, Greg, I'll ask you, what do you think that their potential kryptonite is? Uh, is there, you know, some fatal flaw that might, is it is it maybe just getting over the mental hurdle of the first weekend in the, in the tournament and, uh, getting on a roll there is there some some team or type of team that you think might give them trouble more so than others yeah I think it's themselves to be honest um look I think a lot of the March stuff with Painter has been overblown because when you step back broadly and look at they lost to a 13 seed a 14 seed and a 16 seed uh, that's horrendous right that's very rare in a unique 
fashion that any good program, any program at all, has lost to teams like that in the tournament, let alone a program as good as Purdue has been. But I think the the important thing about this year's version of Purdue is that they actually did make changes to the roster that addressed some of their issues from last season. Like Lance Jones was brought in to help them guard the perimeter because Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer struggled so poorly down the stretch of last season with that. And Lance Jones, I don't even think has been great yet this season, but he's been good and he's by far their best perimeter defender and he's kind of a chaos agent and he's never afraid to shoot the basketball which was an issue with Fletcher Lawyer uh, from February on last season so uh, matchup wise what would worry me is kind of what Illinois did to him honestly a team that could space him go five out and just outscore you make ED step out to the perimeter a little bit but the truth is there aren't many teams in the country that can do that it really is going to come down to can Braden Smith be good Braden Smith for 40 minutes and look there have been hints of the, the demons, the ghosts there, even in the Illinois game, like they went from up 19 in the second half to it's a three point game with 45 seconds left. Braden had some dicey plays down the stretch. He scares me. The team itself doesn't scare me. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. It, it, it might come down like a team like Northwestern who beat them so effective at defending the post. And there's not many teams that really are going to be able to stop Edie, but an elite post defending team, and whether that you know comes as doubles or you have a really good defensive big and you're providing help, Purdue's still going to get open shots. But if you're able to just stop the easy, the easy easy buckets, then hey, it's March. It's why we love it. You could just have an off shooting night and all their guards could miss, it, and then you're bounced. I agree. I you know it's it's Twitter. Everyone likes to have fun on Twitter, so we'll all joke about Purdue. But people joked about Tony Bennett, Jay Wright. Uh, you know, for losses in the tournament, and then you win it. It's why we love the dance. There's just so much variance. It's one and done. Um, so, yeah, I think the painter stuff gets overblown. But with this team and with all the recent history and all of the chatter, does it kind of play mental games? And, you know, I think if they, like, were to break through to the Final Four, it might be freeing for them um, for those two games where a lot of teams – might deal with a little bit more pressure. I'll th- for my buy the Big Ten. I'm going to throw out, and I'm we'll spend one second on this because it's disgusting, and I've lost too much money on this year. But I'll say there's I can't I can't imagine Maryland going any lower, and they play Michigan this week. I, I, their offense seems they can't make a shot, but they can't keep shooting this poorly. I, I would imagine you have Jameer Young. You have some proven pieces. Their defense is still playing well. Uh, Kevin Willard can still coach. I, this has to be the bottom of the market on Maryland. Greg, any thoughts there? Yeah, I think you're right. It is. They're one of the more baffling teams results-wise this season because they are playing horribly. Like, let's not understate that whatsoever. And it is mostly shooting. And I think to try and pinpoint it, I truly think a lot of it is Deshaun Harris-Smith has just been a disaster for him. He was a really highly touted kid, five-star type. You thought he could come in and give them 32 minutes a night immediately. He's seven for 38 from three-point range on the season. He was at least shooting them early in the year. Uh, He didn't attempt a three in the loss to Minnesota. He hasn't made a three since December 28th against Coppins. Like, he just – he's not confident 
he's very one hand dominant going left. And it's really now that the scouting report is out on him, it's made things so much harder on Jameer young and a team that likes to play two bigs with Reese and with Dante Scott. So I believe in the talent. I still don't know that I see a fit. That's going to be a magic fix for them. But the bottom line is that this team is still a top half talent team in the big 10. And Kevin Willard's got to figure something out because this team should be 500 or above with how bad the rest of the conference is. So I like that shot, Stucker. Yeah, I mean, you got Michigan coming up at home. Michigan State uh, at home might be some chances. And, and and Scott has also been, I think, just disappointing abroad. But Harris Smith's been a disaster. Uh, by the way, I, I don't think I took, gave my two weekend takeaways or weekend takeaways. I'll just say from the SEC, impressive win from Kentucky. I I actually faded them. Um, and it was, again, it could have went either way. But just for that young team, and only they're, you know, they played at Louisville, but in that environment, to get that type of win, I think really uh, can go a long way in just building momentum and confidence. And then we were talking about a disaster. I, I mean, Dio Davis and Arkansas, what the fuck was that? I mean, that is this is a huge game against Auburn in a great spot. Davis, who had a horrendous game, was late to an event or late to practice, so he didn't start. He came off, looked careless. The whole team looked disinterested. I don't know what the hell is going on with Arkansas, but Musselman looks like he has no answers whatsoever. Uh, We'll talk about the SEC next week for some buys lows. Maybe we'll we'll have a little more intel on Arkansas at that point. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, before we move on here, as a reminder, the BBOC podcast is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's get to more actionable stuff, and we'll just go around the horn for any bets you're looking at for tonight, uh, two to three each. Just let me know when you're done. Mike, we'll throw to you first. What are you looking at for tonight? BYU-Baylor over 154.5. I'm interested to see, you know, two top 10 offenses, you know, do battle. Baylor's defense is up to 70th, you know, in Ken Palm, but I'm not quite buying it because a big part of it is that teams are still shooting sub 30% from three-point range 
Here comes the Cougs. They can knock down threes left and right. They're also shooting north of 50% uh, on twos. And excuse me, Baylor's giving up north of 50% on twos. And BYU is one of the best teams in the entire country facilitating open looks inside the arc. So I think this could be a game that BYU bounces back from that Cincinnati performance. They took 46 threes in that game. I think Mark Pope is a better coach than that. I don't I don't think he's just going to say, all right, let's just roll the balls out and just take, you know, 40 or 50 threes again. So I think that they're going to get off the mat. I'm also interested to see how much of BYU's defensive metrics are just schedule driven. Like NC State was able to score 86 against them. They played a lot of lower competition, you know, throughout the season. So I think Baylor could get cooking as well. Um, Misi is somebody who has been so high efficiency. You know, he's been excellent around the rim. You'll get some of his box scores. He's now shooting six for eight, seven for seven, those kind of, you know, right at the rim kind of plays. So I think this is going to be a shootout. I'm excited. I want to see, you know, BYU really chop it up and be a top four team in the big 12. I think it has to start here with, you know, a bounce back performance after the Bearcats, you know, really got them out of their comfort zone. Yeah. I see past offensive both teams. The only thing I would be concerned about is I still think that there's just some, you know, a big correction for Baylor, a good shooting team, but I don't think they're going to shoot. What are they still at after this weekend? Uh, talk about, by the way, a horrendous. I mean, they're at forty-five percent. I don't think they're going to shoot. So right. they, is there a couple bad regression games coming? And then you have BYU, who's going to shoot a ton of threes. Obviously, against Cincinnati, I think they took a little bit too many, but there's a lot of three-point uh, variance in their game. So if you just have an off shooting, you have the Baylor regression game, and BYU is off, but. Uh, that's what I would be worried about there, but there should be pass to offense. Uh, and yeah, RIP or thoughts and prayers to anyone who had Oklahoma State plus four and a half covered the entire game, the entire overtime, and then you get a run out from Baylor when the final seconds and they decide to dunk it at the bell to cover and win by five. Uh, Greg, what's something you're looking at for tonight? So I'm going to actually go right back to the Baylor-BYU game. I'm on a side here, though. I love the call, Mike. I'm going with Baylor to cover in this spot. It opened up around two. It's now up to four. I still like the number at four. I wouldn't go much higher than that. But uh, I'm just skeptical of BYU for a handful of reasons here. They are a metrics darling. That's great. Every year feels like there's one to two teams that end up cracking the top 10, according to all the analytics sites. And it's almost entirely schedule driven. Now you have to give them credit for beating San Diego state early in the season. But outside of that, they're just one and two on the year versus top 50 opponents. They're zero and one in true road games. They lost at Utah. I think Baylor is very good. They just opened up the new gym. I think they're particularly good at home. And to the point on the three-point shooting, I think you're right. It could be some variance. I think we could see teams uh, kind of cut into Baylor's number. But the more important number from three-point defense for Baylor to me is they've been pretty good at limiting attempts. They're 40th in the country on the year in uh, preventing three-point attempts from opposing offenses. BYU wants to run and gun and get them up. Baylor's very comfortable in that style. I like this number as sort of a wake-up call to welcome to Big 12 play from one of the premier programs in that conference against a team that, you know, you could call it a bounce-back spot, but you just lost by 11 at home to Cincinnati, and now you're on the road to Baylor. That's a scary spot for me. I'll take the Bears to cover. Yeah, well, I did mention potential Baylor offensive shooting regression. You could say the same thing for – BYU's defense. Now, part of that's their schedule, but I mean, they're holding teams to what, 25, 26%, which I don't think that number is going to last uh, through Big 12 play. I'll throw out this one. I mean, I just welcome to any bet I'm ever going to get out. Let's let's get really ugly with Georgetown. I think I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm wearing yeah. a Georgetown shirt. 
<laughs> I think that this is like Seton Hall is the team that with their defense and the way that they're constructed, they're very, they're going to be, they're vulnerable to, to bad or poor spots and, and situations. And then when they get up for these, you know, ranked teams and their defense really comes in, you know, it's not a really deep team, but everyone comes and is engaged, you know, for 40 minutes, they can pull off some upsets as they have. But I think this is probably the top of the market. I'm a little worried about them just dominating the offensive glass playing tip ball against Georgetown. You can kind of get there, but Seton Hall still a bit limited offensively. They have turnover issues, which aren't great on the road, but they just, they're coming off of a huge win against Marquette. The last time they had a huge win was against Connecticut. Then they went on the road and got absolutely demolished by Xavier. This is still a team that lost four or five earlier in the season. They lost at Rutgers by seven. They're it's still, I don't think that they deserve to lay seven points here on the road. Georgetown should be better. I like, I, they just, like when I look at their talent, I'm always ahead of the market or higher than the market on them. I just think this is a great spot. And you have to remember that when they played, you know, their, their last three wins have come against UConn, Providence, and Marquette, three ranked teams. But when they played UConn, Klingon went down in the first half. When they played Providence, Hopkins went down in the first half. And, you know, teams can adjust over time. That's hard to do when you lose, you know, one of your best and most important players in game. It's hard to adjust to that. So they benefited from two really critical injuries in those games. So I think this is a good spot to buy Georgetown. Hold your nose. Mike, what else you got? I'm going VCU, George Mason. I'm going to lay the points three and a half. If you like guards, this is a mid-major game for you. The Patriots backcourt, Keyshawn Hall, Darius Maddox, are phenomenal. I mean, Hall at this point, I think, is clearly in the conversation for, you know, player of the year in the conference. He's averaging almost 17 and 10, and their defense is special. This is why I like the Patriots. They're 17th in opponent shooting percentage allowed at sub 40%. They're very strong on the defensive glass as well. So when they get those stops, they corral those rebounds. And VCU, you know, they have four guards who all average over 12 points per game. But they're not the VCU teams of old. They can't turn anybody over. And because of that, I'm not you know, afraid to lay the three and a half year, I'd probably go all the way up to five. I think George Mason is a bit of a surprise this year in terms of how well they played to this point. I think they're 13 and two straight up, but I just really like the stability of their backcourt and, and Hall is just one of those guys, particularly at home. I'm interested in playing. Yeah. The legendary Tony skin from that George Mason run at the helm. I, I they're, they're one of the teams that's what makes uh, what I love about the transfer board, right? They're a new coach. And you have all these new pieces coming from different teams. Sometimes it works and it's kind of like cracking the code in the off season and trying to figure out, okay, is this going to work? Is not, is this team going to be undervalued or overvalued? But sometimes you can get all these new pieces, all these cast offs, some proven, some unproven, and they just all come together. And George Mason has been significantly better than I had anticipated. Uh, so yeah, definitely a really intriguing team and game there. Greg, uh, and feel free to pop in whenever, but uh, and if you want to just build on any of those, anything that we share, but what do you got? Next? Yeah, for sure. No, I'm, I'm going to go a different direction with my next one here. I, uh, I want to give a shout to one of my coaches that I refuse to jump off the bandwagon for. I think I'm one of the only people still holding his stock right now. It's Drew Valentine over at Loyola Chicago. Uh, this guy opened his career uh, debut head coach, 25 and eight. He inherited what Porter Moser left over. Lucas Williamson was a real good player, but that was a good basketball team a couple years ago. Last year, they move up from Missouri Valley to the 10 
disaster season. I, I finished last in the A-10, 10-21 and 21 on the year. I think everybody kind of just turned their backs to this program, was like, yep, he's not the guy. I'm not so sure he's not the guy. I, I think this team's pretty good. They opened the year with an ugly loss to Florida Atlantic, but that game was competitive for stretches. They got blown out at Creighton ever since. They've quietly won eight of their last 10 games. The only two losses in that span have been true road games. Now they get Richmond at home tonight. Loyola's three-point favorites in this spot. Richmond 0-3 this year in true road games with losses to Boston College, Wichita State, Northern Iowa. They're just 1-5 overall in away-slash-neutral games away from home. I'm buying that Loyola has more talent than people realize. Drew did a really nice job upgrading the roster in a couple key spots. They got a freshman, Miles Rubin, leads the country in block rate. He's going to be really, really good down the line. But as a team, I mean, they make it hard. Like, you got to hit shots from outside to beat Loyola. They're seventh in the country in two-point percentage defense. They're seventh in the country in assist rate on the offensive end. I think they're playing really good ball right now, and three just feels a little short to me. So I'm on the Ramblers tonight. Yeah, the only the concern with Loyola whenever I watch them is just will they not turn the ball over 50 times um, is when they really get in trouble and always something they have to be worried about. But, yeah, they're definitely playing a lot better than I think many would have anticipated and were projecting earlier in this season. Uh, I'll go – I'm going to go a little ch- ranked, ranked chalk on the road. Uh, I'm going to go with Colorado State. Bounce back spot at Boise. I'm not a fan of this Boise team. They basically don't have a point guard. And this is an enormous point guard mismatch. And Isaiah Stevens for Colorado State, one of the best in the country, against a team that really doesn't have one and is just completely void. Misses Marcus Shaver so much. I think they're completely void there. Boise can't really create its own shot outside. And I think Colorado State, very well-coached team, you know, tough spot at Utah State and a tough place to play. They even had a chance late. I, I was on Utah State, but Utah State had some crazy shots and most of our wet bananas. Boise State can get some things in the post, but I don't think not like not like Utah State could. So I think it's a good bounce back spot to buy Colorado State. I really think the handicap is as simple as this. Yeah, the game's probably gonna be close, but at the end of the at the end of the game, at the end of the day, I have Isaiah Stevens in a huge mismatch at the most important position on the court. Mike, what do you got next? I, I agree with that play. And Clifford has been, you talked about the transfer portal, you know, just a couple of minutes ago, like what a great get and a player to finally realize all of his potential. Like when you yeah, look at his, his guy, he was never that great at Colorado. I'm surprised. Yeah. It's crazy how great he's been. I think from the field, he's up something like 20 or 25% increase in his shooting. Like it's incredible what he's done. And a part of it is, is the offense, you know, the Princeton elements, the five out, you know, people getting open looks, but in general, like they hit the jackpot with him. Um, If it's okay, I want to jump to a Wednesday look ahead game. Is is that fine? Um, Indiana state. This I think is going to be the last time you get a good number on the Sycamores. I think there's a chance after they win this game, they may just run the table on the Missouri Valley. I love this team. They are number one in the country in rim and three-point rate. And because of that, they're scoring close to 87 points per game. They are the only team in the country with four starters or four guards, I should say, averaging 14 or more points per game. And then Robbie Avila is, you know, a stat sheet stuffer at center, a big differentiator for them in terms of mid-major basketball. 
they showed me everything I need to know about winning on the road when they went to Bradley and pushed the Braves around. That is a really difficult place to win and win convincingly. And for that reason, I think we may still get a, a decent number traveling on the road against Drake. But I, like I said, I think this is the last time because after this game, I think everyone's going to view Indiana State as a Cinderella to circle early in the season. Yeah, that offense is unbelievable. Uh, just the, the sets that they run. And they, I want to see them in the dance and hopefully they're in there because no one wants to face that offense. The defense still has some holes, which might hold them back, but they're a team that can get to the second weekend and will be a team. No one will want to see opposite on the bracket. Uh, Greg, we got anything else for today or tomorrow? Yeah, I'll give you one more for today, and then I'll jump to my pick for tomorrow. This is a, a system play for me, gentlemen, and it doesn't feel great to say it out loud, but I'm taking Pitt at home. Plus five is what we're catching tonight against Duke. Now, look, Duke is the much better basketball team. I never like betting on the team that I just think is significantly worse than the team they're playing, but you got to find spots. Duke... In the Tyrese Proctor, Kyle Filipowski era, so going back to the beginning of last season, they're one in seven outright in road games against top 100 opponents. Like this is a team, my one big question with Duke is, are they a little soft? And I think it's a fair question. And they, there's talent everywhere, but I don't really trust this team to face adversity and come back in a game on the road or, or really just handle their business against a team that's up for their challenge. I think Pitt is up for the challenge. They haven't played great basketball late. North Carolina did bite them at home for sure. That was not good. But this is a Pitt team that it has enough talent to go win a game, has enough stuff offensively to win a game. They're solid defensively. And they need a resume win. Like they, they kind of have dropped the ball in a lot of their big spots thus far. Um, I have my eye on the plus five to cover. I kind of like a sprinkle on the money line, to be honest with you tonight. Um, and we'll kind of wait and see because Duke really, the one road win they have this year is Notre Dame. I mean, that was a toss-up game, that, that whole game. Notre Dame is not a good basketball team. So uh, I like the underdog there. And then one for um, for, for Wednesday here. I oh, like. By the way, you mentioned Duke at Arkansas. Uh, and Arkansas wasn't even at full strength. That will yeah. that loss looks worse. That's the one time Arkansas has looked confident all season. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's been like I said, it's been an autoplay for me for the better part of last season, and I'm kind of just sticking with it until I see more from this little core of Proctor and Flip. Uh, the one that I like for Wednesday right now, uh, I, I like Ole Miss against Florida, and I know everybody likes Florida. I, I think there's reasons to believe in the Gators long term. Um, to me, I still don't really know how they lost the Kentucky game. Like, I, I yeah, thought yeah. Hangleton having like all those rebounds. I was like, this is playing out exactly as I was hoping. And for them to lose in that situation with such an advantage on the glass, I agree. I, I'm still scratching my head a bit. It smells fishy, right? Because like they checked all the boxes. I thought Kentucky made a lot of mistakes. And then the end result was just, nope, we let it slip away. Um, th this is a spot to, to oversimplify it. Chris Beard against Todd Golden is the biggest mismatch in this game. And uh, Todd Golden's Florida teams have had a ton of talent. I know there's reasons to love the him metrically through the years and why he was a high-profile hire. Uh, I, I think he's underachieved in the win-loss column consistently no matter where he's been. 
Uh, you find Ole Miss, who's kind of the opposite. Like they aren't super talented, but Chris Beard has this team. They were 13 and 0. They go on the road. They get smacked against Tennessee. This is a home game where I expect they might open as a slight home dog. I like that spot. Ole Miss 3 and 0 at home against Florida, going back to 2016. Uh, I like this as a bounce back spot for the better coach at home versus a, a guy that I just can't wait to fade at every opportunity, guys. And I'll close things out. I'm going to throw up TCU. I'll be looking to see if I, I mean, Kane's probably going to be, I'm hoping, would love to get TCU to pick uh, tomorrow night against Oklahoma. I think they're, they're and this is a team, I was really impressed. I think Coles will be back. He was supposed to play on Saturday, but even without him at Kansas, a game they probably should have won. They got completely robbed at the end. I had no money on that game. They stopped a play. For an injury when they had a five on four break and then called a ridiculous flagrant foul that flipped the whole entire game. And then Dickinson on the game winner walked. Uh, you got some home cooking uh, in Lawrence, but I was really impressed with how they looked against Kansas Sands Coles in that game. I think their athleticism could give Oklahoma some issues. I think they'll control the tempo at home. They can turn Oklahoma over, which is really the weakness of the Sooners. Uh, so I'm going to be looking for TCU after that Kansas loss at home against Oklahoma, who I believe has not played a true road game this year. They played that one that was kind of close when they lost against North Carolina, but this will be their first true road game. I think it's a good spot to back the Horn Frogs. Uh, so that'll do it for us. Good stuff from Greg. Looking forward to chopping it up with you the rest of the season. We'll be back moving forward every Monday, and – We'll, episodes will be out around we'll get them out around noon one o'clock the afternoon cover the monday slate maybe throw out a spot or two for tuesdays cover the weekend talk about a conference next week we'll do the sec thanks as always to mike as well for joining us we three man we will be back on wednesday with their normal midweek episode myself mike randall mike calvaries will be back later in the week on friday for the weekend betting preview Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy, leave a five-star review, say whatever. Really helps us out. We'll do some giveaways, I'll say, in a week or two. So just leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say. We'll get out some gear to you. But thanks for tuning in. Good luck on all of your wagers throughout the week. And we will see you later on this week. Cheers. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.